Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average garage door is made up of 1.3-millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know? A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Tuesday, April the 20th, welcome into Stack in the Box as we get ready for the draft, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but to start the show, uh, Matt Berger, I want to give condolences to you, your wife, Steph, your family, uh, on the loss of your son, Ben, who uh, you can take it from here, but did, did not make it through the pregnancy. Your wife's life was in danger. You've been put an article out um, that anybody can read who's missed it, which was, I just thought so beautiful. Vergeram, uh, obviously really well-written, but just so heartfelt was the, um, the beautiful part of it. And just encouraging people with basically whatever they're going through in life, the way I was hearing it to, you know, keep walking, keep moving forward, uh, which we're doing today as we're doing the podcast. And I know that, uh, you know, it's probably a wide range of emotions right now here, like joy and talk. I don't know where that music is coming from, or if I'm just hearing it. Um, but, um, anyway, it's, it's, it's good to see you and, um, yeah, how, how you doing? I'm okay. And I, you know, listen, thanks to you and, and everybody else who've reached out and, and, in various ways, listen, thought it'd be just, let's talk about it right at the top real quick. Um, because I, I had mentioned on the podcast in the past, like, Hey, we're looking for a name. And the last time we, you know, we brought up, Hey, we came to the name Ben. And then the next day he was unfortunately gone, um, you know, a day shy of 18 weeks in utero. The short version is essentially my wife was having a lot of pain, had to go in for uh, tests and whatnot at the hospital. Couldn't figure out what it was. He did exploratory surgery. And they, what they found was essentially um, she has didelphus, which is having two uteruses. Um, and we knew that. But Maisie, who is our three and a half year old daughter, and she's healthy as could be, she was in the other uterus. Ben was in the, in the, I guess, on the right side. Um, and that uterus was not attached to anything. It, basically, how she got pregnant is nothing shy of a miracle. They can't figure it out. Um, and so that uterus was not able to expand the way it needed to. It, it had to this point, which is why he was growing and growing fine. He's actually growing at a schedule. But in about, the doctor estimated about a week to two weeks from that day, it would have ruptured. If it had ruptured, um, very good chance she would have died. Uh, would have gone to hemorrhagic shock and bled out internally. Uh, the doctor fell. We lived 10 minutes in the hospital. And he told me that if it had ruptured at our house, she would have been dead by the time she got to the hospital. So they had no choice but to take that uterus out, of course, ending Ben's life. Um, and, you know, look, man, sure, it's, it's really sad. 
I'll be sad about it for a while. I think the acute pain of it is is gone at this point. It's more just kind of like a base level of melancholy now. It's just kind of there. You know, I showed you before we went on the podcast that, you know, I have a little hat from his head that we have, um, you know, that I put on my office desk. And the first couple of days when I look at it, I would just cry. And I'm not, and I'm not saying this is like one of these like macho, like I just, I don't typically cry. It's just not how I grieve. It's not usually what I do. The first 48 hours after he was gone, I cried pretty much the entire time. Um, but now, look, I look at that hat and I smile. Um, I talk to him. And I, you know, I wrote in the, in the piece, and it's really been my mantra, um, keep walking. I mean, you just, you have to keep walking. And I just walk with him now. But it's um, certainly very sad. But at the same point, I kind of, I'm so thankful that Stephanie's okay. Um, and he unfortunately was never going to live no matter what. I think, I think as awful as it's been, it would have been even harder if it was something like, Hey, he was at viability stage and he was 24, 28 weeks and, and something awful happened. And he, I mean, unfortunately, even though he was healthy at this point, he was not going to get to the stage he had to, to live. So, um, it was hard at first, but being able to hold him and, and kiss him was I think is something that'll really mean a lot to me over the, over the coming years of my life. And, um, you know, now this week he'll be cremated and he'll be home with us and he'll be home with us forever. So sad. Absolutely. But the overwhelming outpouring of affection and love for our family, for Ben has been incredible. It's made us feel like we're not on an Island. And I appreciate, you know, and I'm, I'm mentioning this on the podcast because I appreciate all the listeners, many of which you have reached out. Um, and it's, if, if you're going through something, if you're going through the loss of, of a child or you're going through the loss of a parent or a sibling or a friend, look, know that you're going to be in pain, but also know that that pain is going to ebb away and you will get better and just keep your head up and keep moving and keep that person in your heart and in your mind, but keep moving. Um, it's certainly done one disrupt. I'm amazed at how strong Stephanie has been through all this because she obviously also has the physical pain of it. Um, and we'll just, we'll keep walking. And, and I'm, I'm happy to do so with you here on this podcast today. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, be trite or whatever, but you're, um, you're exhibiting sort of the new model of manliness, Verderam. Back in the day, which you kind of teed up about the crying thing, you know, the dads weren't crying back in the World War II days or in the Vietnam days or, or you know, generationals. It, it was not something that men were, uh, encouraged or even looked upon as like, oh, that's okay. He's having emotions, but that obviously is uh, changing seemingly by the day, and it takes a lot of courage, in my mind at least, and I think in in, in everyone's mind really, uh, to go into that. So it's an it's actually a, a huge form of strength that you've been showing and putting it out there for the world to see, rather than hiding. That's anyone's choice. So you, you certainly don't have to do it, but uh, at all, right? Um, but but I but I was you know i first found out about it reading it on twitter i'm like oh my god this is i'm like Verderam. a i felt just so horrendous for you and b i also knew you would move forward and c you know you i was just it's like wow he's willing to live this publicly and um i was you know i, I give you a lot i have a lot ton of respect for that man well, I, and i know you're not trying to like gain respect by the way for doing that but no, you know I, I hear you. No, and of course not. But I think, you know, I just felt like I had mentioned in public that we were having a son and 
my honestly, I'll be very blunt. My, the reason I put it out there that what what had happened was because I just I didn't want come like August or September for people to think, hey, like when's your son coming? You know, I I didn't want to live through it again in that way. So anyone who knew that we had been pregnant, I wanted them to just know, hey, this is what happened. And I think, you know, as time went on, and a big reason I wrote the column was I just think so many people with this suffer in silence. And I don't want like I look, you certainly have the right to. But I don't want people to feel like they're alone. I know how how supported we've been and how much it has helped us to not feel alone, to not feel like it's just on us. And, and we're going to have to just deal with it, just Stephanie and I. Not have to feel that way has been so helpful. And, it's, and, and, and to your point, Carm, about you know manliness and all that, listen, I'll be the first to admit it. When it first happened, um, you know, I found out on the, op- to be blunt, I found out that he was going to have to go on the operating table. The doctor called me while Stephanie was in surgery and opened up and he called me to say, I need your permission to terminate your son. And so I said, well, are there any other options? He's like, either they both die or he dies essentially. I said, okay, well, well you know, didn't save her. Um, and you come out of that. And I think originally, man, the, the first thing I, you know, I just felt like, or I got to call her parents, my parents, um, closer. I called Josh Hill on him. Hey man, I'm not going to be at work today. Like, here's what's going on. Um, and then I had to go, you know, you go down to the hospital and when she woke up, you know, I was there to tell her what had happened. And I think, you know, you, you're so one task to the next that I didn't really feel the loss acutely until later that evening when we were, when there was nothing left to do. And we were just sitting in the hospital room. She was down, you know, she was in recovery and they wheeled them in that's when the gravity that hit you. And at first I, I definitely felt that like old school manly thing where I was like, I'm not going to cry in front of my wife. And I didn't at first. And I went out into the car and I said, Oh, so I got to get something out of the car. I call my parents. I sat there and cried for 45 minutes. I mean, just let it all out. Then I came back to the room. I was still upset. I was like, man, I, I'm not like, I'm, I'm human. Like I'm not going to sit here and like, just not cry in front of her. This is ridiculous. She's bawling her eyes out. She's devastated. Like, what good is it? And if it makes anybody, I don't know, if this helps anybody, I, you know, Stephanie mentioned that one of the things that helped her was seeing me have emotions about it because she knew she wasn't just the only one who, you know, felt all. So, listen, everybody grieves differently. And I encourage everyone, do what you feel is right. But if you feel something, don't be afraid to just experience that feeling. I think it's important. I really do. It certainly has been for me. Yeah, I, I got it so many reactions to all that um you it's beautiful that your, your wife didn't want to be alone and it you um you know being um able to show what was going on in front of her I, I get why that was so big for her um you know I mean listen I you know I've, I've lost parents I've had parents uh you know that di- didn't go there you know just kind of you know you 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 move forward you, you go with the stoic it's 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 hard to be alone in life period so uh, the communities around you, man, you're getting a ton of support. Um, I hope you feel support even just right now. I'm sure Absolutely. you do. So, um, so at any rate, uh, yeah, man, uh, we're here. This is going to be a journey for you, but keep moving forward. I, I'll just share one other thing. I remember, um, one of my good friends who, uh, I mean, he's actually, you know, on, on the Windy City podcast, he's, he's uh, one of our White Sox contributors. I'm getting some White Sox talk in there and he lost, uh, you know, son who's you know crib deaths to stop breathing nine months and 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 you know just was not i mean it was bad it was bad and i just remember you know i don't know i told him at the time 
that uh you that hey you know um i don't know what to say but at you know at some point you know life will you know life's gonna go on and, and life went on he's got he's got uh a son now and um and he was on his journey and he's a incredible, incredible friend and all that. So, um, you know, I, I, I wish the same thing for you and, um, and all that. So, all right. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's segue somewhat awkward. Let's talk some football. Let's talk some football, baby. All right. Uh, awkward segue, but right into it. So draft coming up here and we are looking strongly at you, San Francisco with number three, the 49ers, being oddly quiet about what their intentions are. Maybe they don't know. I, I'm assuming that they do. You don't trade up from number 12 to number three and give up uh, a significant amount with Miami. Just a reminder, the Dolphins gave up 2022-2023 first-round draft picks, a 2022 third-round pick, all to move up to number three. You don't do that without knowing what you want to do. You would think – so uh, we're, what are the Dolphins going to do here? What do well, you think? I mean, what are the 49ers right, going right. to do? Or what do you think What, what I, do you think they should do? I mean, I think they should take Justin Fields. That's what I think they should do. I get the Trey Lance stuff, but if there's one nervousness, uh, one piece of nervousness I have about Trey Lance is his accuracy. If you go look at his accuracy, not, not overly accurate. Um, guys that are inaccurate in college typically are inaccurate at the NFL level. They're not always, but usually. Josh Allen is an example of a guy who was very inaccurate in, in college at Wyoming. And then for two years was inaccurate in the NFL and then really, really changed his third year. Um, so it is possible, but that would scare me a little bit. And then like Mac Jones had a great year. I just look at Mac Jones and say, it's a seven on seven draw for Mac Jones. He's got a million guys around him. He's not mobile. Like I kind of think, you're overdrafting. I wonder with the 49ers, if they went up and got that number three overall pick and thought to themselves, we're going to take Mac Jones and then got so crushed about it over and over and over and over and over. And then now they're like, Jesus, maybe, maybe we're missing something here. Um, I don't believe for one second that their intentions have changed from when they made that move. Like I agree. You don't make a move like that and go, ah, any of those guys are good. If you did that, you're already screwed. So I, I think they know who they're going to take, but I do wonder if there was a little bit of, yeah, we're going to take Mac Jones. And then they, then they got all their responses that they've got. And then they went, ah, yeah, maybe, maybe we're nuts. Um, I am fascinated to see how this is going to play out. I, I love that you brought up Josh Allen, your guy who, uh, if, if we go back in time, I don't think you were overly high on him coming into the league. I think that's been discussed ad nauseum on this podcast. Inaccurate bust, I believe, is the exact. Uh, and you know what? For two years, I, I look pretty good. But in all seriousness, he, I mean, I can't think of a guy who's had a better turnaround. And if you like Trey Lance, that is kind of the way you look at it. A smaller school guy who maybe has had some accuracy issues, but is certainly mobile. Now, Lance is even more athletic than Allen was. But a guy with a – Lance is a big – in a lot of ways, he's like Josh Allen. The question is, does he develop like Josh Allen? I don't. You know, who knows? We're going to find out. So there's okay. So the 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 smoke around Trey Lance right now is, you know, first off, uh, fourth pick Atlanta. Their head coach Arthur Smith, their general manager Terry Fontenot. Uh, they were at his first workout. You had a whole contingency coming to his second workout as well. 
Um, and and you the 49ers uh, apparently are very interested. But Atlanta, um, they sent they sent their quarterback coach, Charles London. They sent their passing game specialist, TJ Yates. They sent their assistant college scouting director, Dwayne Jones, to his second pro day. And you also just had Matt Ryan having all his, you know, having his contract reworked to make more sense for the Falcons to be able to add talent. So I'm something's going on here, Vertoram. Do you have a read on this? You know, I don't know that anybody has a real firm read on it. I think if you're Atlanta, like at four, you got to be shopping that pick to the hilt, right? Like call New England, call Denver, maybe even Detroit. Like I don't think Detroit, but maybe I mean, call them. Hey, what do you want to give us? And, uh, and I, I will say this. And I continue to say this. If you're the Denver Broncos and you like a quarterback who is there at four, you have to make that trade and go get that quarterback. Because let's, let's just cut the BS and be real. They have no effing shot with Drew Locke as their quarterback. None. None. And their roster is pretty good around him. Now, they're not probably winning a Super Bowl, but like they could be a playoff team if they had a good quarterback. He stinks. Stinks. All caps. Stinks. <laughs> he led the league in interceptions last year. Man, played 13 games. It's terrible. So, to me, like, if you're Denver, like, let's just say Trey Lance is available at four, and you love him, then you go get Trey Lance. You're in a division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. You're not winning that division without a big-time quarterback. Hell, if I were the Raiders, I would think about it. No, I don't so, think they'll do it, but I think about it. So this is not the way you go about business, right? But so Lawrence goes one, Wilson goes two. Who knows who's going to go three? Some people think it's going to be Mac Jones, which is a very interesting. We can talk about uh, what's come out on Mac Jones in a second. But, okay, so then if, if Mac Jones goes there, then it's very possible that either A, Justin Fields, or B, Trey Lance falls to number nine. Like, if I'm the Broncos, hey, man, I know we get paid a lot of money to evaluate quarterbacks and make the right pick, and this is probably not the right way to live your life. But you could also just sit there and be like, you know what? This is an inexact science. We will take whoever the best quarterback that we have rated at nine on the board and not pay up to get to four and be wrong. That'd be a safer way to do it, and maybe it would work out just as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, look, you know, it's weird because the draft really starts with the Niners, right? Like you have Lawrence and then you have Wilson, and, and I think everybody agrees on that. And then the Niners will take a quarterback at three, whoever that proves to be. Then after that, it's like, okay, if you're, if you're Atlanta, do you take Kyle Pitts? Do you, just, do you just take the guy who everybody seems to think that outside the quarterbacks is the, is the top prospect? Do you take him? You, do you trade back? If you take Pitts, then you get to Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati's got a really interesting choice. Uh, actually, I don't think it is that interesting, but apparently it's become interesting in Cincinnati because why wouldn't it? Um, the Bengals could take Penny Sewell or they could take Rashawn Slater of Northwestern as, as a big-time left tackle. But they're the Bengals. So now there's this question of, well, Jamar Chase, apparently, you know, Burrow is, is, is a guy who he played with Chase at LSU. Um you know, I don't want to step on toes, but I was just talking to our good buddy, Matt Lombardo, who, of course, also has a podcast on this feed, and it works for Fanside. And he was telling me that he has a, a source telling him uh, that, you know, Burrow is, is really adamant that he wants Jamar Chase. Well, if that if that's the case, like if you're the Bengals, do you piss off Joe Burrow? Like we live in a different era now. I think 20 years ago, you would have been like, who the hell cares who he wants? 
Well, maybe you care a little bit, especially if you're kind of on the fence. So there's just there's just so much uncertainty. And then the Dolphins are sitting. I think the Dolphins take a playmaker no matter what, right? Like it all, it's either going to be Pitts, it's going to be Chase. It's gonna be, you know, I, I think it has to be. It's very interesting how this all plays out here once you get past the Jets at two and the Niners even so, you know, at three. Let's pause for a quick second here so we can pay some bills. We're right back with Stacking the Box. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. And there's been some noise that the Dolphins maybe consider even trading out of the six pick, which if I'm them, I would try to take advantage of a quarterback desperate team and you get even more draft capital. I mean, what happens if you can trade back with, uh, with Denver, let's do a six, nine, add a couple of picks and I will take my chances that I still end up with either a Jamar chase or Sewell and or Slater oh. Miami that, that you're, that's cake and ice cream and, uh, and all of you know, it. You know who the happiest team is right now? The Lions. Because they're like, we could take anybody, and it helps us. Anybody at all. Like, right. If you're the Lions, you're like, hey, guys, whatever the hell you want to do, the first six picks is cool. Like, we could take, we could take J.C. Horn. We could take Patrick Satan uh, Jr. or maybe he's the third. Um, you know, we can – we could, we could take Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitsamow got there. Great. Like, you're the Lions. You're thrilled, right? It, it doesn't matter. But if you're the Dolphins, here's, here's the worst-case scenario for the Dolphins. Okay, the quarterbacks are the quarterbacks. They'll go off the first three picks. The Falcons and Bengals take Pitts and Chase. Then what? Because you're not taking a corner, and you're not taking a left tackle either. Like, you just took, you just took off some Jackson last year in the first round. So now if you're the Dolphins, it's like, what do you do? Do you, you take Waddle or Devonta Smith? Do, do, you, do you take uh, me, uh, Micah Parsons out of, out of Penn State? Like maybe that's I, – I think maybe that's what they would do. Um, but it would be, it'd be really interesting to see how they would approach this. And I think if you're the Dolphins, look, you, you have the, the benefit of you have a lot of options cap-wise uh, – or excuse me, draft-wise because – you even though they're an ascending team, they still need more help. But if 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 you lose Chase and Pitts before you get on the board at six, then I think you're absolutely trying to trade back and give yourself as many options as possible. What about Miami? Perhaps uh, trading with Chicago Verderam. Some people, myself included. Uh, well, everybody knows the Bears need a damn quarterback, so. Uh, trade up with the Dolphins, go to six, take your guy. What do you think? I think the Bears, like, if they love Lance or Mac Jones or Fields if he falls, like, yeah, then then go all in. But I also think at this point, like, it starts to feel like a, a, like a door prize, right? Like, hey, we traded, like, three first-round picks for the, for the fifth-best quarterback in the draft. That's never good, right? Like not, now, it can work out, right? Like Dan Marino was the last quarterback taken in the 83 first round, and it worked out okay. So sometimes other teams just can't evaluate. And if you really love a guy, then and hey, do it. But 
if you're the like I will say this, if you're the Bears and you genuinely love one of these dudes, fine. But if you're the Bears and you're like, oh, uh, I don't know, maybe like, then just stay where you are. Take a player who's a good player, and hope to God that Andy Dalton can win you like ten games next year. It's not a great plan, but at the the Bears have painted themselves in the corner here. And then you draft a quarterback in the later rounds that you think can develop, and maybe you find your. Whoever that would be. How about Gardner Minshew? There's my guy. Uh, look, you, you, can't, you can't operate in the past, Chicago. I'm sure they're aware of this. And if people are going to say exactly what you just said, Verim, like, oh, they traded a bunch of draft picks for the fifth best quarterback. If you, if you actually evaluate Trey Lance or whoever you think is going to be there at six with Miami – uh, be it Mac Jones. Let's talk about Mac Jones in a second here. If you think that that dude is going to end up being the best quarterback in the draft, then you got to swing again. The McCaskey family is allowing you to stay in your job, Ryan Pace, for whatever reason that is. They still believe in you, or they just want to let you run out your contract. So take your biggest swing. Um, I, I don't know what it would cost to move up to number six. I'm sure it'd be prohibitive, but if I was the Bears and I actually liked a quarterback there, who knows if they do or they don't, then. I mean, you have to solve the biggest issue on your team, and that by far is the biggest issue. It, it's going to be painful, and it's going to be it's going to be high risk, but it could, in theory, at least be a high reward. Uh, speaking of Mac Jones, so he's got two DUIs. I know he had one as a freshman at Alabama. Do you know when he had the second one, Verderam? I don't. Okay, because obviously I mean, with this past week going, on, I have not um, spent a ton okay, of time. With okay, him. so I've been scouring around, but he he was he was a backup at Bama his freshman year and you know he uh he got himself in trouble at the time for the record you know he, he was he had some uh some big 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 time talent in front of him right I mean Mac Jones uh, it wasn't like he was just sitting behind no one he was sitting behind Jalen Hurts and Tua but for for whatever reason it's be it was spun into a positive Jones used that to turn his life around, quote, on nights when people would be going out, I would go to the indoor football facility, throw into a net, watch film by myself. I'd usually close all the doors. So he used that as, uh, you know, I'm going to grow up now. And then there was a photo making its way around the Internet that apparently his sister took where he's wearing an outfit that is not flattering. And, it's, and it says no, no Obama, um, which is uh, just straight awful. So he's he was super young there he's in high school which you know people allowed to grow up who knows what his family was teaching him at the time obviously it doesn't look like it was great so are you putting all of that and say you know I'm willing to take Mac Jones because I love the talent that much I that's a tough roll of the dice for me it is a tough roll of the dice um and by the way just as a as an addendum to the last thing you said you know the Bears what would it cost to move up if you use your old draft chart that Jimmy Johnson put into play, and some teams do, some teams have a, have a different one at this point. I think the cost for the Bears would be something around their first-round pick, their second-round pick, next year's first-round pick, and then you know maybe like next year's third-round pick as well. That's um, significant. Look, I think when you're drafting a kid that's going to be the face of your franchise, like part of the way you look at these kids is can they handle the pressure? Is it someone you want to be always putting on the cover of a media guide, always on the co- on all your ticket packages, right? That stuff matters when you're the quarterback. It doesn't matter if you're the tight end, right? But it matters if you're the quarterback. With Mac Jones, you, know, you mentioned the, the Obama stuff. Um, 
obviously the picture is is pretty troubling and disturbing. Um, you know, we don't know 100% if it was him. His sister tagged him in it years ago. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with it, you know, it's blackface and whatnot. Um, and, you know, but if, if that's him and, and, you know, that, that's, that's a, that's a pretty horrendous look. Um, and then the DUI stuff, I think it just speaks to a lack of judgment. I mean, look, I, nobody's perfect, but, and, and you, you believe people can grow, but does that matter? Do teams have to vet that? And talk? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this is, this is not, Hey, I'm applying for manager at the gap. Okay. This is, you're an NFL multi-billion dollar franchise. And this is the person that's representing you. So does it matter? Of course it matters. Of course. it. And by the way, for people who say, well, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Is Colin Kaepernick playing football these days? Like Colin Kaepernick was not on the wrong side of history. Okay. Like the, whatever your beliefs are, Colin Kaepernick had a right to express how he felt. I don't believe he's on the wrong side of history by any way, shape or form. And yet, why is he not on the team? It's not because of his talent. It's because owners made the decision, well, I don't want to have that public image. Now, you may be like me and disagree with that till the end of time. But that's the reality. Well, you're going to have some owners, okay, who may look at Mac Jones's background and say, obviously for much different reasons, I don't want that guy to, to be the person I'm rolling the dice on, to be the face of my franchise, and I, so, yeah, does it matter? Of course. I've, every Everything matters this time of year, and stuff like that certainly does. Yeah, and look, he has a very, I don't know if it's a simple path forward, but he can, he can own the photo or not own the photo and talk about how he's grown from there, and he can certainly talk about how, look, I was a young kid, and I, and I was drinking, and I got behind the wheel, and it was one of the worst decisions of my life. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that he can say and step into a big-time leadership role, and he – you know, he had a hell of a career at Bama. So someone's going to take a shot at him. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's probably going to be, uh, if not, in, oh, definitely in the first round, if not in the as early as top three. So, but there, I, I guarantee the conversations with him and in the interviews, there's a lot of probably pretty potent questions being asked and seeing how he responds to it. What do you got as a, a sleeper team? We can move on from this, uh, who might make a big move here in the first round that we're not thinking about right now, Verderam. I think the Steelers are a team to look at. You know, they, they started out 11 and 0 last year, finished 12 and 4, out of the playoffs, picking mid 20s. They got Ben Roethlisberger for one more year. And I don't even know that they're thrilled about that. And then it's what? Mason Rudolph? Not definitely not thrilled about that. So if you're the Steelers, do you have a like let's say one of these quarterbacks gets to Eight. You making that move? Like, if you really love the guy, do you move up? I think you at least have to think about it. Now, maybe that's just a bridge too far. Maybe it's too big of a move. But we've seen teams do this in the past. Now, it wasn't for a quarterback, but, you know, we've seen you know, Atlanta went up and got Julio Jones. They basically went the whole round to get Julio Jones. We saw the Chiefs do it with Mahomes from 27 to 10. And for, before anybody says, well, it's Mahomes. He wasn't Patrick Mahomes when the Chiefs did that. The Chiefs were taking a roll of the dice on a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be a bust in the NFL. The Chiefs believed that he was going to be great. I don't think the Chiefs are regretting moving up 17 spots to get Patrick Mahomes. So if you're the Steelers, do you move up 15, 16, 17 spots if you really believe in the quarterback? 
Because I think you've got to look at that division guard. You got Burrow, Lamar, Mayfield. Like Mason Rudolph's not winning that division. So I think if you're Pittsburgh, you'll at least have to think about it. They're a team I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Steelers drafted number 24. I, to me, what's interesting, like I expect just a lot of teams moving to uh, pick up draft picks. Like Miami, you have another you have another shot to do it. I would be interested if Detroit tries to pile up some picks here. Yeah, uh, and it would make sense for them to do so. Right. I, I don't – like the move-up candidates, I, I, we talked about it earlier. Like to me, Denver, are you, are you going to move from nine and get aggressive to try to solve your QB situation? That's interesting. And I do wonder because, you know, do the Bears play this out conservatively or do they try to take one big swing? Because, they, you know, the Bears were trying to take a big swing, trying to get Russell Wilson. Didn't work out. And obviously everything that's gone on with Deshaun Watson, that's got to be off the table. Um, although we're not talking about that today, but there's a lot of interesting developments there as well. I, I just have a hard time believing that it's just going to be conservative Chicago and we're going to roll with Andy Dalton and sit at 20 and just make our picks as they come along. The Bears are not – they do not have the luxury really to do that. Um, and, they're, and there's definitely jobs on the line here. Uh, and the Bears have done very awkward things with quarterbacks too, right? Mike Glenn, and we're going to pay you a boatload of money, and then we're going to give you four starts, and now we're going to throw Mitchell Trubisky out there because you suck. Um, you know, that something along those lines it wouldn't be ideal, but that could happen with Andy Dalton. I mean, it's, it's clearly not the long-term answer there. So I, I do wonder where, where the Bears will go here. Um, You're going to tell me you don't believe in Andy Dalton for at least the next decade? <laughs> I I just can't believe that they tweeted out QB one. It's amazing. Q, don't don't do that to your fan base. Chicago it's Bears. It's like the Twitter. Packers got hold of their account. Or like, let's just have some fun. Well, and and real quick, Jim McMahon came out this week. The Super Bowl twenty Bears quarterback. Everybody knows Jim McMahon, and he said Chicago is where quarterbacks go to die, and the Packers are a way better organization. I love Jim McMahon. He was immensely entertaining, and if he hadn't gotten hurt and took better care of his body, I think he could have had a Hall of Fame football career for the record. I mean, I Glenn Kozlowski, who have done radio with, played with him and Steve Young at BYU. A hilarious individual. Yeah, hilarious, and knows his football, yes. and said that McMahon was the better quarterback than Young. And he likes Steve Young a lot. It's not even a shot at Young. He just, It's more of a prop up of McMahon. But it, it's not... Kansas City used to be a place that quarterbacks went to die. Okay. And then yes. Patrick and Patrick Mahomes showed up there. Tom Brady, uh, you know, was New England a quarterback factory? The before Patriots Bra- were a garbage dump for right. 40 years before Tom Brady got there. So a garbage dump. It, it, it's just a bad take. You, they, it's not sure they could have supported, say, Jay Cutler better when he was there. He, he didn't need to go through 17,000 literally. Well, not literally, but close to it, uh, at least close to 10 offensive coordinators. But it's you, you get it wrong until you get it right. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're rolling. And his point about the Packers, you've had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for 20-plus years, and they've both won one Super Bowl. That is not a great organization. It just isn't. They've gotten lucky twice, and give them credit for it, but they all, but when you hit a home run like that and then you just put garbage or 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 mediocre around them that does not make you a great the franchise. Pa- the Packers 
by the way, uh, before Favre got there, also a place everyone went to die sure. for 25 straight years. Sure. Um, Brett Favre was not considered a huge prospect when he went to the Packers. He was a he was a bust in Atlanta. I mean, that granted, Atlanta gave him no chance. But Jerry Glanville called him Mississippi and just traded him out of Atlanta because he didn't like him. And then he went to the Packers. And Brett Favre, his first handful of years, like very entertaining, but not like the Brett Favre that he became in the mid-90s where he won three straight MVPs and was great. And then Rodgers just fell in their laps. Now, again, give them credit. They did those things. Like, it's not – you know, every team in the league is rated for Brett Favre. The, the Packers did it. But you're right. And, and I don't believe in these narratives of, like, well, the Bears haven't had a quarterback in forever, so they just shouldn't try. What, what, is, what is that? I mean, you have to – by the way, and this is a good time to plug this. This summer, um, myself and Mike Tanier uh, of, of – much renowned who, who writes for fans. I've also writes at the New York times or where else a great guy, great friend. Um, and one of the funniest writers you could imagine as well as informative. We're doing a 10 part series on things that happened in the NFL in the 1980s that you just wouldn't believe if you didn't know it happened. Like one of the things is going to be, you know, about the 87 strike and like some inside stories that happened in the league during that time. But one of the ones I'll be focusing on to kind of just tease it out was Jim McMahon in 1986 and Charles Martin. And I know you're familiar with that. There are people who have no idea this exa- this even happened. The Bears, a lot of Bears will tell you, and Carm, God knows, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm not trying to step on your toes. I know you know this. A lot of Bears players will tell you, and a few have actually said to me, that, that they felt like in 86 they were a better team than they were in 85. And in November, McMahon was coming off a shoulder injury, and they played the Packers at Soldier Field. And Charles Martin, who was just a guy, had a towel that had five different numbers, including Jim McMahon, Walter Payton, Willie Gold. It was a hit list. It was open and out there. Like, if this ever happened today, he would be suspended for the rest of his life before he even took the field. That a hit list. And on a, on a particular play in the game, McMahon threw the ball and was just standing there, like literally for a good three seconds. And Martin comes up from behind him, grabs him, and slams him on the AstroTurf, shoulder first really pretty much changed McMahon's career forever. The Bears finished 14-2, and but at Doug Flutie, and at that point we're just sitting ducks in the playoffs for Washington. We will, I, I will write about that in depth because that is a moment in the 80s. If that ever happened today, if, if, if a player ever picked up Patrick Mahomes and did that, that player, first of all, would probably be brought up on charges, but second of all, would be banned for life. Charles Martin was like, eh. You know, okay, it's a dirty hit, 15 yards and an ejection. Yeah, so the towel, just to give a visual here, it was, you know, it was coming out. It was draped in front of his pants. It was draped out of his pants so everyone could see it. And McMahon had rolled right, had, had thrown a pass, and was watching the trajectory and basically it was watching the receiver get tackled or I forget what the what happened on the play had taken about five, six steps. And then Martin picks him up and dumps him on his shoulder. And it was honestly, I'm like thinking about, is that the worst moment of my bears fan careers life? Because that, that really ended the super bowl run. Like when, when he was done, they could not figure out Mike, Tom, Zach, Doug Flutie and anything else. Tom, Zach, but whatever it was, Uh, it it was, it it was over. And to put a ball on this, 
a two-game suspension. <laughs> two games. Two games. So if, if you if you like reading about interesting things in history, we're going to have a few other series as well. But that's going to be one that will run in fan side either July or August, and I'll, I'll let everybody know. But we'll, we'll write about 10 moments and crazy things. Um, and I really encourage you to read them. I th- we're going to have a lot of fun with it, and we're going we're gonna to go back and look at things. It just happened in the 80s. There's just – there's no way – in today's NFL, whatever happened. And I think it's kind of gotten lost at time. And I remember at the time, too, and just to let one last thing, people were happy that he got kicked out of the game because they were worried because nine, McMahon's number, was first on his towel, and next up was 34. Like, there was like, oh, thank God he didn't get to Peyton. Like, that's what people were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm shocked that there wasn't a full-scale brawl. Oh, like with but, the way the Bears were back then, I, I'm shocked. Like McMichael and Hampton and you know Wilson and that, that, that he got off that field alive. It's it's a fair it's a fair take, and also there was a little bit of, of uh, split nature on that football team. I don't know how much the defensive guys loved McMahon. His offensive line loved him, uh, but I don't know how popular McMahon was with uh, per se Hamp and McMichael at, at that point in time. I think they. Perhaps uh, we're not. He was not their favorite. Quick timeout. Stay with us. You are listening to Stacking the Box. Uh, let, let's get back to current life here uh, and talk about your Chiefs. You think they go for a wide receiver in the first round? I think it's more possible than a lot of people nationally realize. My understanding with the Chiefs is they're acutely aware of their need for a left tackle. So I think that supersedes everything. But I think it's absolutely a possibility. They lost Sammy Watkins. McCole Hardman has been okay, but maybe not what they've expected as a, as a receiver. He's been he's been a guy who's shown potential, but not come all the way through the uh, the ranks, so to speak. And Demarcus Robinson, to me, is a third or fourth receiver. So, is it the biggest need in the world? I mean, look, they they have an offense with Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's not exactly like the Chiefs are, are bereft of talent here throwing the football. But could I see if they get to thirty one and they don't like their options to tackle, and Rondell Moore sitting there out of Purdue, um, you know, or or another um, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, or Tony out of Florida. Could I see it? Yeah, I could definitely see it. Just for the record, NFL.com has got Northwestern cornerback Greg Newsom the second fall into the Chiefs at 31. If that happens, pal, you'll like him. He is He's a, that that would be the, in my opinion, their third biggest need is a corner because Breland is still on the market. So oh, I think listen, to me for the Chiefs, it's tackle, receiver, corner. And if you want to flip corner and receiver, that's fine. I think tackle clearly is the biggest need, but I'll throw this out there as well. Just from talking and having a lot of conversations about this. You know, I know a lot of Chief fans want Alejandro Villanueva or Russell Okung. I don't think that's going to be the play. I think, if anything, it's going to be them bringing back Eric Fisher. And and so I think that's also a real option that he probably wouldn't be ready to start the season. But if you're the Chiefs and you can just kind of get by for a little while, you know, but I, I don't think that would preclude them from signing or from drafting for a, a, a tackle. They, they, knew, they know they need a tackle. And just for the record, I don't want to quibble with NFL.com, but I expect Newsom to go earlier than 31, so I don't think they're going to be right on that one. Uh, all right, let's go to in or out. But before that, I, I just got one take for you, Verderam, that I just want to throw out there on the Kyle Pitts thing I forgot to mention. Sure. You have to be 
concerned when you're drafting someone and at Kyle Pitts is just fly, you know, everybody loves the six, six, 246 pound tight end. It ain't that easy of a position to play in the NFL. You know, there's, there's only, right. so, you know, there's only so many athletic guys who look like, uh, you know, who can't, who, who are not great blockers that end up being very, you know, uh, proficient at the position. And with Kyle, he's a little bit of a one-year wonder, man. He had a good sophomore year. It was decent, 12 yards of carry, five or 12 yards of catch, five touchdowns. But he exploded his junior year. 18 yards of carry, 12 touchdowns. Where's he, think, been his, where's he been his first two years? I uh, think this. I, I will say it. Like, and and, and I'll, I'll move off it quickly. But with Pitts... Everybody loves him, and, and that's fine. But, look, anybody who thinks that any player is just an absolute can't miss, you're crazy, he's going to dominate, you're a moron. You're just a moron. You don't understand the way the sport works. Like, what happens if not only Kyle Pitts, but any of these top guys, what if they have an injury history? What if they just get hurt? You know what I mean? That happens all the time. Like, you know what? Everybody always looks back and says, well, you know, geez, that guy, yeah, you know, he got overdrafted. Yeah, okay. Now, with the hindsight – with hindsight, yeah, sure, he got drafted you know, higher than he should have been, but how many times, man? I mean, I could, I'm old enough to remember when TJ Hawkinson was going to dominate the NFL. Yeah, it turns out George Kittle, a little bit better, went a lot later. Like, what, what about Eric Ebron, who was just going to be great? What about Brandon Pettigrew, who was going to be dominant? By the way, all Lions. Okay? The Lions just cornering the market on tight ends in the first round. But my point is just, you don't know. Like, Kyle Pitts might end up being Tony Gonzalez. He might end up being Eric Ebron. Like, Kellen Winslow Jr., forget all the, the hor horrible stuff off the field. He was thought to be a guy who was just going to be unbelievable. Not the case. It was like an average NFL player. Travis Kelsey was taking the third round. Who the hell thought Travis Kelsey was going to be this? The right. NFL draft is a, is a crapshoot. And... A lot of times, yes, look, there are certain guys who, because of their measurables and maybe their, their output in college, that they, they, they move up to this high on, on the board. But a lot of times, whatever the reason, it doesn't work. What if he goes to an offense? It's just not best for his skill set, right? Like, there's so many different things to factor in. There really are. Well, I, I'm just trying to underline like, the, the one-year wonder player, uh, which I don't know how I'm forgetting the name, who did the Bears draft in the first round out of West Virginia who was a wide receiver that did absolutely nothing? Oh, uh, White. Yeah, Kevin White. Kevin White. Kevin yeah. White. He sucked. He Hurt sucked all the time. He had, all he had, the time. He had one good year. He was dynamic, and the Bears pick him at the top of the draft just like Kyle Pitts is, is going to go. And as you mentioned, like, sure, they want him to be Tony Gonzalez, or they want him to be Antonio Gates. I don't know, man. He's had one huge year in college. It just seems he's a tight end. It, it's, it's just, look, it, it's, you know what? Like, I'm I'm looking at this mock by Schrager right now, and and it's it's fine. Like, you know, it's fine. But and and Peter certainly knows this stuff. Let me tell you something. Half those guys, statistically speaking, and I've done a deep dive on this. Half of those players in the first round, they will never make a Pro Bowl. Right, and, well, and you got to make one Pro Bowl. And you got to swing, but that that just but your swings. But it underlines like people like like when you hear on Thursday night when some guy gets taken twenty third overall, and you hear one of these draft experts go, 
Well, that's it. They've solved that need for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say on the whole, they have not. Like, it's just the way the draft is. Now, look, that doesn't mean don't be excited. Be excited. Your, your team is taking on probably seven, eight swings. Be excited about that. Your team might knock it out of the park. I mean, it happens. But just keep in mind, you know, if, if a team takes it, it doesn't mean, oh, it's a guarantee. It really, it just, it doesn't. It's just not the way the draft works. Let's roll through real quick here. Our in and out. We got four for you today. We'll start with the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are the team to beat as we stand right now in or out. I think I'm out. I, I think it's hard to say that about a Super Bowl champion because they brought back everybody. But I also look at the Buccaneers and say that is a team that last year had a great end of the year. They came together. They, they ripped through the playoffs. They destroyed Kansas City in the Super Bowl. And I know, you know, it's just like, how could you doubt Brady's won 85 titles? I, sure. It also is true, though, that they did not have any injuries of note last year. They was really the only one, and he was healthy by the playoffs. And they're a very old team. Like, that is the thing that scares me with them the most, is just the law of averages says they're going to have injuries. They're going to have guys who decline. I mean, this is not a team that's like the 92 Cowboys where it's like, wow, they're so young. and it, They're not. Like a lot of guys in this team, they're, they're heavily dependent on our guys. You're going, they got another year in them? You know, that, that is the thing that scared me. So I'm out on them being the team that is the favorite. Out, math. I'll, pl- I'll take the – it's been 17 years since the Patriots repeated in 03 and 04, the, 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 and I, they ain't doing it. I, I bet strongly against it. Give me, the, give me the rework, Chiefs. Give me the still battling away, uh, angry Aaron Rodgers Packers. Give me some I, – I, I, congratulations to the Bucks, but back-to-back just seems really, really tall. Uh, the Packers will take a weapon for Aaron Rodgers, speaking to him in the first round, in or out. I'm in because if they don't, man, they are going to get crushed, and they should. Like, Devontae Adams is a great player. He also has an injury history. Not horrible, but he always seems to miss some time. And I, I hate to, to break this news to the Packers. Like, if he goes out, you have nobody. I don't want to hear about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is fine. He's not He's not a, a, a weapon downfield. Valdez Scantling is as likely to catch a deep ball as he is to drop one. You know, Lazard, I mean, you know, he's a guy who who is a, a big player for them and now I believe is, is still a free agent, I think. Uh, I'm going to look that up real quick because I don't want to be wrong on that. I'm having a brain glitch. Um, You're all right, pal. He is. He's a free agent still. Okay. Uh, no, they, they issued a tender to him. Okay, so he comes back. But, I mean, he's a guy who's really never gotten off the ground. I, I love Tunyon. But, again, like this is, you know, it's not like Robert Tunyon is Kelsey or Kittle here. Like, they, to me, the only way I won't kill the Packers on this if they don't take a weapon is if they take a corner. Because they, they need help at corner. So, if they took a corner, I understand that. But I got to tell you, man, if like a Bateman's there, Tony's there, I, I, you have to take a receiver and help out that offense. I love Bateman. So do I. That, 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 I mean, he's a little bit, I mean, coming out as a sophomore is kind of aggressive, but um, still, I like the, the talent there is enormous. All right. Uh, I, I'm in on this. You, you got to, if you're not going to give Aaron 
a contract extension, which they should at least do something to placate him. And by the way, it makes sense for your football team. That would be a win-win. I, I can't imagine the Packers do anything different. Eric Fisher ends up being the Chiefs left tackle by Thanksgiving. You touched on this earlier. Yep. You're in on this, aren't you? Uh, I am in on it. I think I, – I, let's put it this way. I'm at least in on this. I think he will be back in Kansas City, provided he's healthy. I think he'll be back. Now, it, look, do they draft a kid who's just so much, you know, so so much ahead of the curve that maybe he just gets a job? Maybe. Um, but I, I, I am, I am in on this. I think, I think he'll be back. Um, and and I think that I think there's a chance, depending on how things go, that Mitchell Schwartz is back. Um, if he decides to play. I think the Chiefs would have the first right of refusal there. And I don't know if you're, if you're the Chiefs and, he, and Mitchell Schwartz wants to play, you're really going to tell Mitchell Schwartz, no, we have no room for you? I find that really hard to believe. That would be an embarrassment of riches if he somehow, some way got healthy. And same thing with Fisher and everything they've done on their offensive line. You would be, uh, I think Patrick Mahomes would be a happy guy. Eric Fisher is just a guy that's easy to root for and he makes sense in Kansas City. So I'll stick with you here on the end. And wrapping it up here, the NFL draft should be moved up in April, in or out. Are we waiting too long? I'd like to see it moved up a couple weeks. I think like April 15th, you're telling me we couldn't do it by then? The process is just such a sideshow, man. It takes forever. I don't, I'm not going to go much deep on that. It just takes forever. And, uh, this is a vertebrae. I'm putting it at the end of the rundown. It's annoying that I have to wait this long for my NFL draft. Come on, man. Give me my – give me my – let me have dessert before I have my dinner. Uh, I get it. I look, nothing's going to change. There's no evaluation that that's going to take place in the next whatever, 10 days, uh, nine days that people don't know, but Hey, uh, I don't know. I, I like the drama. So I, I, it's fine where it's at. There's, there's no real problem there. Bring the draft back to Chicago, by the way, it was fun when it was here. Uh, Verem, you want to wrap up with your Knicks, by the way? Damn right. Damn right. The Knicks have won six in a row for the first time since 2014. They play tonight against the Hornets. They got a good shot to win that game. Then they take on the Hawks tomorrow night, both games at the Garden. Look, my only regret is that they can't pack that place right now. The Garden would be out of its mind with this team. Absolutely out of its mind. Like what I, and Look, I'm under no illusion. If they play Philly or Brooklyn or Milwaukee, they're not winning that. They may not even win a game. Okay, I, I get that. But I'll tell you what I wouldn't give for them to be playing like Philly or Brooklyn and just somehow win one of the games on the road and bring that thing back to the to a sold-out Madison Square Garden for game three. Like, I know they wouldn't win this. That place would be going bonkers for that game. You're, you're a half game out of the four seed, pal. If they get to the four or five, they can win that round. They'd have a shot. They could beat on, Boston. They could they, beat Atlanta. They could beat Charlotte. In fact, I think they would beat Charlotte. I, they could I'm, definitely win a round if they get to the four or five. I mean, let's just call it what it is here. Julius Randle is a comeback player of the year. Yes. Uh, or most whatever. The guy's been incredible. And Tom Thibodeau's the head coach of the year, man. Don't don't give me – I don't want to hear Quinn Snyder and his 43 and 15 jazz. Tibbs would be 45 and 13. Give me Tibbs and what he's done with the Knicks, baby. And Derek's play down the lane, kicking it to the corner, down three. 
That was sweet. Great uh, design in that play, by the way, by Tibby and company. Rose executing. I forget who even made the corner three. I all Reggie I about, Bullock. All I think about is former Bulls. Reggie Bullock, way to go, buddy. Uh, Derek Rose has been unbelievable today. <laughs> I'm going to be a little off on this, although I think I, think I have it right. Derek Rose has played 22 games with the Knicks. In those games, they're 17 and five. And it doesn't feel like coincidental. Like when he's on the court, they're so much better than when he's not. Like it's weird because their guards to start these games are Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock. And Reggie Bullock's like this classic three and D guy, right? Like he can shoot the three and he's really defensively, but he really belongs on the bench. But then they'll bring Rose quickly and Alec Burks off the bench, and it's just unbelievable. Like, Burks will score 20 points a night. Rose is tremendous. Quickly's a rookie. She'll have games will score four points. She'll have games will score 25. And it's – and then they bring in your other, your other old friend, Taj Gibson, who – you look at Taj Gibson and you're just kind of like, God, he looks like he's 80. But then, like, he just pulls out, like, some grown man strength move just stuffs some guy and like starts to break. And you're like, how is this happening? Like it's, but it's incredible. You know, they, I love this team because not only are they finally good and like rekindling my love of the Knicks, but they're so old school. Like Nerland's Noel is just, he can't score a point, but anyone who drives the lane, as he put it, actually to use his exact quote is going to find out like, so many guys in the NBA now, right? Like, go for the big dunk, go for the lap. Guys just kind of olay and they get out of the way. Nerlens Noel is like, yeah, you come bring it. Like, I'm right here. And it is it is incredible. Like, Randall is scoring like he's like he's Michael Jordan the last four games. He's averaging like 38 points a game over his last four. He went toe-to-toe with Zion twice, and they won both games. Barrett's becoming like a really good young player. And then Zion, after the game on, uh, what was it now? I guess Sunday. Did you hear his comments? Yeah, he's, he loves Madison Square Garden, baby. You know, this is my favorite place to play. And then, of course, you throw out like, oh, you know, except for New Orleans, of course, you know, because the Smoothie King arena is right. where right. I love to play. And I, all I could think of was like, if they're good in a couple of years, like guess who's coming down to New York? Because he wanted to go there when he was in the draft, by all accounts. So if the Knicks are like 50 win good in a couple of years here, I like I get picture Zion being like, get me there. And you get you give me a front line of Zion, Julius Randle, and RJ, we're in good shape. Sounds great. That that would uh that would light up the NBA if that happened. By the way, my guy Tibby, just for one more. You are going to start hearing that Tibbs is ruining Julius Randle. 47, 41, 42, 39, 38, 38, 37, 39. Those are his minutes in his, and he's averaging 39 minutes a night here in, in the month of, of April, which is basically the same as the entire season, 38 in, in, in yeah, March. Constantly, yes. <laughs> yeah. This is what he does, but he, guys have their best years with him. Jimmy Butler wasn't turned from a role player to an all-star with Tibbs. Randall is doing the same exact thing, having his best year ever under this guy. Man. There's a certain level of accountability and the way he pushes you. Um, and Julius Randall has been incredibly motivating. He deserves the bulk of the credit, but tip, he helps right. guys, no, man. For sure. I'll say this though, man, they played Dallas the other night on a nationally televised game and Burks is out because COVID protocol. So, 
typically what they'll do is RJ Barrett will come out, they'll bring in Burks, you know, whatever. He'll get his, you know, he'll get some run. And then they bring and Barrett plays about as many minutes as Randall. I think he's at like 36, 37 a game. So they don't have Burks for this game. And it's an atypical Knicks game where like both teams are scoring a decent amount of points. Usually the Knicks, it's kind of like a, a race to hundred. Thibodeau played him the entire game. <laughs> Never took him out to think about one second. And they kept him in. And after the game, somebody asked him about it. And he's like, I'm here to win. I don't care. I'm here to win. Do we win the game? Do we not win the game? And I mean, look, I, I hear you, man. At some point, yes. He's probably going to burn some bridge with some guy. But I'll tell you what, they love him right now. Like, they, they love him every time. Again. And, and I guess there's something to it because Taj Gibson could have gone any, like, wanted to go to the Knicks. Like, Derrick Rose wanted to go to the Knicks. So apparently, like, not everybody hates playing for him because these guys, like, older guys. keep And, and there are some nights of Rose he's playing 30 minutes. Like, it's not like Rose is, like, getting eight minutes here. He's playing real minutes. He had 25 points the other night. Yep. And so uh, Randall leads the league with 37.4. Harden is second at 37.1. Uh, and then you got, you know, a bunch Where's of – Where's Barrett? Bar- Barrett is not in the top 50. So – Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. He's number 25, 34.1. Yes, but I, I believe if you look at total minutes, I think he's, like, third in the league. It was as of like a week ago. Okay. Okay. So he has been, but it's like he's twenty. Who cares? Like let him play. I look. Man, Thirty-four minutes a night is is nothing. I'm, they I'm have sorry. Had, they've been a lot of fun, and they're limited. Like there's some nights like if Randall or Barrett don't shoot well, you're like, eh, they can't. You know. But man, they play hard. They are tough as hell offensively. You know they 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 don't make a lot of mental errors. And it's like every night – and Derek Rose, I got to say, I couldn't have been more wrong, man. I could not have been more wrong. I, they traded for him. And I was like, why? Like he shot. He's a, he, if they signed him tomorrow for three years and $60 million, I'd be like, bring him in. <laughs> like, bring him in. I'll tell you what I want on them next year. And he's not the long-term answer, but there's just not a great free agency crop. No, we can end on this. Kyle Lowry on the Knicks with Thibodeau. Would That's be a, incredible. Be a great like, signing. They need a, an upgrade on Peyton, and I don't want Rose to be the starter because just because of the minutes. Kyle Lowry is the toughest sob in the league. Like, if you put Kyle Lowry on the Knicks, I get he's older, like a two-year deal, nothing more than that. He would elevate them. A winner, a tough guy, plays both ends of the court, like. I would love Kyle Lowry in the Knicks for the next year. Or two. Thirty-five years old, but I, I think somewhere he's going to be a perfect fit for someone. I, he would fit beautifully in Chicago. They need somebody to run that thing. Um, by the way, we could still have a Bulls Nick playoff that would, which would be amazing. Verderam, it's been a journey today. Uh, thanks so much for sharing uh, both, you know, before the podcast um, and uh, and of course today. Um, and again, condolences to you and, and your family. And, uh, you know, appreciate you just for me, just, it was inspirational reading it. So you, 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 at the same time, you put a smile and a tear and the whole thing. So I, I appreciated, um, at least my little corner of reading everything that's been going on. Um, and, uh, onward man walking and, uh, yeah, the draft next week. So we're back next, uh, Tuesday yep. leading into it, baby. So getting there. it's, it's, it's coming and, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Also just, reflecting on it afterwards as well so uh thank you for listening today 
we appreciate you rating, subscribing, all that stuff is, is great. And uh, anything else you want to say over to Ram on the way out? That's it. Go next. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. It's a Jamie from Progressive. Shh, Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.